Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Kill the cards. Oh, what yeah, I remember that one. Tell where you are. I was telling you suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> the Kwame Brown of fantasy baseball. I love enough somebody to say that. Wayne Grove Party Con, right? Yeah. You're regretting this already. <laughs> Which two men are on? T-M-O, baby. That's hot. TMO25, the playoff landscape in the BDL will take on a whole new look this season and we're here to tell you who's going to make the dance and who's going to win it all. Four years and 25 podcasts after TMO first hit the airwaves, this show has revolutionized fantasy baseball. Today, we toast ourselves with the help of a couple friends. Plus, Mark of the Rebels joins us to defend the South's honor. You're listening to BDL Radio. This is Two Men On. It's preseason prediction time. The Rockets, Damage, and Rebels are back for more playoff action in 2012. But the rest of the field, well, who knows? Welcome to TMO. This is Johnny of the Killer Car Company, and I'm joined, as usual, by that sexy snake in the grass, Scotty of the Gents. You must have written that, Scotty. I, I, you might be sexy, but more like a sexy baboon. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just not very nice. I don't appreciate that. I am the sexy guy on the show. Mm. You said so yourself last year in Philly, remember? When we were at your place in the basement? <laughs> you must have forgotten. I'm sorry. You were drunk that night. I must have forgotten that one. <laughs> uh, well guys, uh, thank you thank you for joining us uh, again this, this month for TMO. Um, got a huge show uh, this month, and... and uh, Hope you guys enjoy it, and we're going to get right into one of our uh, most fun uh, segments that we do every year here on the show, and that's our preseason predictions. Um, man, Johnny, I just get so amped up this time of year uh, in March when when the when the kickoff of the BDL season is just a, just a few weeks away, and actually we're, we're getting started a little earlier than usual. I have to go back and look at the dates, but might be the earliest start we've ever had in the BDL on the 28th of March this year, so it's it's coming up really fast and. Um, but th this has really been a really been an off season of change in the BDL, to to say the least. And let's just kind of get things started and and take a take a look at the North Division, Johnny. Um, do you want to you want to kick off, kick off your own division there? Uh, sure. I'll, sh I'll kick it off. Um, I'll go right down the list. You know, four, three, two, one. Um, maybe give you some reasons why I think each division rolls out the way they do. Uh, double downs four. Um, Amish three, Cars two, Wallabies one. Um, prior to the sell-off, I think Joe probably had a better team than me. Um, post sell-off, uh, I'm not so convinced. Um, I like what the double downs are doing. Uh, they've taken a couple steps forward, taken a couple steps backward. Definitely getting better players with each deal. Uh, but Brent has built a very solid team. Um, Especially, with, he's got some deep pitching, um, sneaky closers, like I said, and uh, and home runs up and down the lineup. Yeah, I think right now, um, I took a look at the, at the CBS projections. 
the Wallabies are are projected to be the the top home run hitting team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Sometimes those projections, uh, I don't know if he's cut down his roster, but uh, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, I mean, you have to take those projections with a grain of salt. We all know that when it comes to CBS, but uh, <laughs> fun to look at nonetheless. And um, Johnny, my uh, my North uh, predictions are a little a little different than yours. Um, really, I think two, three, and four in this division are are just terribly close right now. Um, closer than even a month ago. Uh, at number four, I have uh, the double downs as well. Um, at a record of 83, 114, and 13 for a winning percentage of 426. Um, at number three, I actually have the Killer Car Company um, at 87, 112, and 11 for a 440 winning percentage. Number two, uh, the Amish Brotherhood, 93, 104, and 13 for 474. And we both agree, of course, on the top team in that division this year, the Portsmouth Wallabies, who I've got... Um, second best team in the league this year record-wise at 125, 77, and 8 for a winning percentage of 614. That's, uh, I, I mean, you could kind of take these teams up and down. Uh, they are pretty close. Uh, I think the Wallabies definitely are consensus number one in this division. Um, I should give you my uh, win totals for these teams. Um, I went double downs. Uh, let's see. Double downs, 67 wins. When Amish, 101 wins. Carr, 121 wins. And Wallabies, 129. Hmm. Those, those, those vary quite, uh, quite a bit from, from mine, actually. Uh, a couple of yeah, those are, are, yeah. are like... I've a, got some faith in the North Division. <laughs> but, uh, hmm. We'll see how that turns out. But um, what about down south? Well, down south, uh, i got to look down in my rankings again to find these guys. <laughs> um, I, I, I took a, a kind of a different approach uh, to, to my rankings this year. Um, I, looked at, I looked at all the numbers and the players, and then I, I kind of gave each team uh, kind of like a gut factor, like basically um, whether I think they'll kind of make a move or not or, uh, uh, you know, what they've done in the past so far. And then I've also uh, adjusted it kind of like a division factor. Um, right. So, you know, playing in the East is going to be kind of tough. Right. So, all right, I think I'll start from the bottom. I've got the Beers, 61 wins. got the Panthers with 67 wins. got the Mavericks with 84 wins and the Rebels with 89. I have the division winner finishing with 89 wins. Uh simply because I don't have faith in the other three managers at this point. Uh, Mark's the only one with uh, some multiple established closers, and um, I think his lineup, even after uh, gutting it uh, to send you on your way to the playoffs, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, has enough to win that division. Well, you know, when I, when I hear that, I, our, Johnny, our, our win totals for, I, I, think, I think, the top three teams there in the South – and, and just for everyone listening, we have not compared notes on these projections before we, mm -mm. we went live here. So uh, I, I think our win totals for the top three in, in the South aren't that far off at all. However, the, the order um, is, is significantly different, as well as the, the win total for the number four team, I believe. Uh, number four, I actually have the Parkview Panthers 
with a record of 70, 128, and 12 for a 362 uh, winning percentage, and that will be worst in the league, according to my projections this year. Number three, I, I have the Crystal River Mavericks, um, 82 wins, 115, and 13 for a 421 winning percentage. Number two, I actually had the Beers, so that's a big change from yours, Johnny, with 84 wins, 110 mm -hmm. losses, and uh, 16 ties for a 438 winning percentage. And at the top of the division, the Richmond Rebels, with uh, 90 wins, I believe you had, had them at, at 89, uh, 107, and 13 for a 460 winning percentage. Now, I think what's what's important to note here is, um, I guess according to both of our projections, um, the Rebels in 2012 would become only the second ever and first sub-500 division winner since 2006 when the Falcons won the South Division with a 493 winning percentage. That's amazing. I mean, what does that tell you? It doesn't really matter what your regular season record is, right? You know, you go and win two championships. Now into the East Division, uh, very tough division. Um, I like what you've done, Scotty. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the Epidemic coming in fourth, um, not because I dislike them so much, but because of the other three teams, I do. Um, I do have them with a low win total, but that's because uh, I like the other three a lot. So coming in fourth, the Epidemic at 66 wins. Bulldogs, Ooh. 90 wins, number three. The Rockets, second in the division with 134 wins. And the Generals, winning the division with 151 wins. Oh my gosh. I have the Generals finishing second overall, getting a bye. How do you like that? That's that's awesome. I'm, I'm fully on board with, with your with your projections of the East. No, really, I, of course I agree. The, the East, East is the hardest division to call in terms of projecting it from, from one to four because of, of the strength of it o overall. Um, actually, Johnny, my ranking one to four mirrors yours exactly. Uh, the win totals are, are quite different, however. Uh, we'll start at number four for mine um, with the Epidemic. I actually have them at 99 wins, 102 losses, and nine ties for a 493 uh, winning percentage. Um, fully admitting that that's probably an inflated win total for them this year a little bit. Um, but I still think the epidemic is a strong team. It's just playing in the East, and when you when you have two behemoth teams right now with the Generals and the Rockets at the top, it's man, it's difficult to to uh, to tally um, tally a hundred wins or, or really close to it. But I want to give that team the benefit of the doubt for this show. Uh, number three, of course, the the Bulldogs. I have them pegged very closely to the epidemic, actually, with 100 wins. 102 losses and eight ties for a 495 winning percentage. Uh, number two, uh, I think this is going to be a case of, of, the, of the top two teams and really the, the division as a whole beating itself up. Uh, I, I don't have win totals for the top two teams nearly as high as you do. I have the Rockets at number two uh, at 121, 79, and 10 for a 600 winning percentage. And the Gotham City Generals on top at number one, just ever so slightly, with uh, 122 wins, 77 losses, 11 ties for a 607 winning percentage. 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, your win totals might be a little, uh, a little more reflective of uh, the actual um, year coming up. I think I, I kind of got caught up in my statistical model a little bit, but I mean, don't I'm get very, me wrong, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm very comfortable with my rankings, but the way I split up the wins, um, I'm just not so sure. Uh, but I'm going to move up, move into the West. Um, at the bottom, at the bottom of the league, and I think I have to apologize because <laughs> I've been touting the woo, <laughs> uh, you know, all preseason. Like, you know, watch out for the woo, and I really hope they uh, <laughs> they make this uh, sound very idiotic. He's got 56 wins this year. Oh, wow. Um, elevation, uh, 72 wins. Uh, I got the Cramps in second with 127 wins. And number one overall in the BDL, 163 wins, NorCal damage. Good night, man. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a little more faith, actually, in the Woo and Elevation than you do, and, and not quite as much in, in the Cramps and Damage as you do. I'll start at number four. <laughs> Actually, my ranking, just like the East, mirrors yours, but win-loss records are, are different. At number four, I do have the Woo, but I, I do like them more than you do this year. I have them actually at 89, 109, and 12, and that's that's for a winning percentage of 452, so, so not bad uh, for that team right now where it's at. Number three, I have the Kill Devil Hills Elevation, 95 wins, 104 losses, and 11 ties uh, for 479. Uh, number two, I do have the Cramps, um, 112 wins, 85 losses, and 13 ties for a 564 win percentage. And, of course, number one, no surprise in the West, NorCal Damage. Don't have them breaking a, a win record this year. Um, I have them at 141, 55, and 14. Um, and that would be the only team, according to my projections this year, that will break the 700 uh, win percentage mark. I have them at 705 for uh, the top record in the BDL. Yeah, it's it's even with uh, I think Mike's win last year, it's it's still hard to uh, bring the damage down from that top spot. I mean, he's he's pretty much guaranteed to win that division. I, no offense to the other three, but his team is so well-rounded and stacked that I mean, he just churns the wins out every week. And I, I would actually compare it to your team. You've done a really good job of um, putting yourself in the p position to uh, win 10 categories each week. Not just, you know, get the win, but uh, win a lot. And and my, my win totals might be high and low, but, you know, for you and the damage, I, I actually think they could reach, you know, higher win totals than we've seen. Um, so overall, I think my playoff seeds look something like this. The number one overall seed, NorCal Damage. Number two, Gotham City Generals. You two will get the buys. Number three will be the Wallabies winning the North. Um, four with the Rebels winning the South. Uh, I've got the number one wildcard, Rockets, having a much better record than the number <laughs> uh, four overall team, the Rebels. Um, <laughs> And then the final wildcard team, the Crawford Cramps, um, rounding it out in the sixth seed. Yeah, um, and in fact, my um, my playoff seeds nearly mirror yours, Johnny, with, with one small uh, correction. I, of course, have um, the damage in the number one seed, have the Wallabies in the, numbers, in the number two seed just, ed just edging out the Generals. 
who would uh, attain the number three seed with the Rebels in the four seed winning the South. Uh, my wild cards are identical to yours. I have the Rockets with the first wild card and the Cramps with the second wild card. And of course, that leads us to the all-important question of the day, Johnny. Um, who do you have winning it all? Well, um, you know, it's just anybody can win any week, but uh, I like the top two teams a lot. So here's how I see it breaking down. Um, Wallabies and the Cramps uh, face off uh, with the Wallabies win. I think they've got a more kind of complete team at this point. Um, they go on to face the Generals uh, with the two seed, and the Generals uh, handle them uh, easily. And on the other side, the Rockets take on the Rebels, and it's no contest. The Rockets move on to face the damage in a rematch from last year's uh, finals. Um, I have the Rockets pulling the upset again because, uh, I mean, I think Mike's proven that you can't uh, can't really count him out of anything. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's got the best team, um, and he's going to make moves no matter what. So I've got the Rockets and the Generals in the finals. It's all East Finals, Scotty. And I've got you. Uh, I've got you winning your first title this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, when I, when I, of course, just for the, you know, the sake of this show, um, and in trying to be as as objective as possible, I, I know my team is in, in the running for things this year. So I'm going to remove it from the equation, um, just to be objective here. And um, I, I don't have every matchup in the playoffs broke uh, broken down the way you do, but I will say my prediction for for the BDL. Uh, championship this year is actually a rematch from last year. That'd be the Rockets and the damage. I'm actually going to give the Rockets the nod to uh, to repeat uh, as BDL champions, and and the reason I, I'm I'm doing that um, is simply because the Rockets, I believe, right now have more more assets with which to to uh, make necessary moves at the trade deadline. More assets, I believe, than NorCal currently has. So. That, that's kind of my line of thinking there, and just an interesting note that would make that would make Rockland the first wild card team to win a championship since uh, the Falcons upset the Generals in 2007 in the BDLCS. How about that? How about, How about that? that? You know, I think the Rockets may have more talent to deal from, um, but obviously we know that. Um, even the Rockets' most talented player is probably not as talented as the Damage's lowest player. Indeed. you gotta you got to believe that, right? Indeed. Well, Johnny, Mark of the Rebels, in fact, is glad to be back on U.S. soil. He's heard his beloved South Division slandered for the last time, and he's here today with pistols drawn. So let's throw it on over to the former champ. Thanks, Johnny. I'm sitting here with Mark of the Rebels right now, and the first time he has been on the show in, in quite some time, I believe. It's been a few years, and uh, it's good to have you on today, Mark. How are you doing? Doing great, Scotty. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. Actually, sitting here, um, uh, you guys, I guess, are hearing this in the middle of March. I'm sitting here with Mark on the on the day, actually, just a few minutes after I've, I've shipped half my farm team for uh, Matt Latos, so uh, uh, a little bit, a little bittersweet, but I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I was sitting here while that was going on. It was pretty well, um, you know, a little bit of throw up in the mouth and uh, things like that. So, <laughs> Well, let's hop right into it. Um, 
For years, the, the league knew Mark Wampler as an American implant in Europe, but you're stateside now for the first time since the BDL originated. Uh, just tell us, how does it feel to be home? Well, it's, it's naturally, it's good to be back here. Uh, I've been putting this off for a few years of getting back, so uh, it's a lot easier to watch a ball game at 7 o'clock in the evening instead of 2 o'clock in the morning, and that's what I was having to do was to get up at that time of morning to watch a ball game, and uh, and which I did a whole lot. Uh, my mornings usually started around 3 a.m., and I uh, didn't have to leave uh, for work for a couple hours after that, but that's how early I would get up just to watch the ball games, and that's prime time for you guys back here. Yeah, I, I think I think really one of the hallmarks of, of the BDL its, its first several years has been uh, seeing you on the forum online, not only during – during uh, states hours, de decent hours for for uh, for the U.S., but also uh, 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 off hours for the U.S. When when you when you you seem to be online or had were to have been online 24 hours a day, really uh, getting up to watch those games in the middle of the night and, and, and interact on the forum and, and uh, uh, when, when no one else was even around. Well, that was uh, that was the only option I had. Um... Uh, and as far as TV there goes, there's there's no American baseball televised there, not even the World Series. Uh, and that's where the MLB TV came in. I subscribed to it, and it worked great. Uh, could watch any game I wanted to watch, and that was uh, that was kind of my release was getting to watch those games. Um, and yeah, yeah, at that time, that's what I had to get up to to interact with you guys or watch a game. And really, I set my whole schedule around the games and the BDL. Um, I would go to bed at 8.30 at night or in the evening and get back up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And that's kind of how I set it so I could still be part of it there. And once I got back here, and now I'm totally screwed up again. I don't know when to sleep. <laughs> well, those odd hours certainly paid off. You know, you, you're, you're the very first... Uh, or were the very first BDL champion, of course, winning it all back in 2005. And you know, few people know what that feels like. So, uh, give us failures, something to dream about. Why don't you? Where where do you display that trophy, Mark? That trophy is in a nice little stand in my house. Uh, it will be going into the den once the den's complete. Here, still a lot of things here to do to get that done. But I think a lot of people in the league when they well, I, Scotty and I are the only two that's left as far as that original season. And a lot of people, I think, look back on this that being a points league, not a head-to-head -head league uh, at that time. Uh, but it was just as intense with, with this small league then as it is now. I mean, there was trading every day. Um, every day you looked to see how many points you'd gotten. So um, uh, it meant a tremendous amount to win it. Um, you know, that was a big thing, and, and it went right up until the last week. And there was trades going on right at the deadline, just like we're doing now. Not as much, and maybe not as intent, but uh, uh, it was a lot of fun, even with that inaugural year. I think that's that's something important to, to bring up. The intensity of the league, even in its its infancy, um, you know, has always has always been, been that way. It's always been a very intense, um, you know, always chasing that, chasing that, you know, golden ring um, sort of atmosphere. So it's it, it's pretty neat. Um, you know, in the BDL, of course, it's seen quite the transition from those early days, from from that five-team uh, roto league to a head-to-head -head keeper. 
the addition of almost a dozen more teams. Um, and, of course, finally a conversion to a full-blown dynasty experience. As you mentioned, being the only other original member, how have you enjoyed that ride? That's been a good ride. It's been a big change, um, but it's been adapted. Um, it was probably the biggest change now um, with the amount of teams we have. It's almost as important now to make the playoffs. That, that's pretty well a goal, I mean, just to make the playoffs. Uh, you almost feel like you've won. It, it's something big. I mean, we don't do like the NBA. I mean, everybody's brother gets in the playoffs with the NBA and some of the other leagues like that. But with us, uh, with only six teams going in out of 16, uh, just to make it into them is a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, the one thing that I see um, as, as far as the change – uh, and I think I told Scotty about this one time, uh, what he's done with the, with the BDL and where it's at uh, over these years, how it's evolved into what it is now. I can remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, I mean, there was no such thing as any type of fantasy sports. It wasn't born yet into what it is now. Um, and we had local baseball teams. And our local one, and, and Scotty, as a, as a little kid, would come with us. Um, we were called the Hurricane Bandits. And we actually played in the sub-state finals one year. <laughs> and that was basically our fantasy baseball back then. And that would have been back when I was in my 20s and 30s. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of compare it to that. Um, I imagine you guys were in a lot better shape than we are now, too. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. This 275 pounds was about 210. <laughs> you, uh, you might say the Rebels were uncharacteristically quiet for, for quite some time before the end of February, but you made a big statement about the direction of your club. Uh, were you just waiting for the right deal to come along, or had you planned the team makeover for a while now? Watching, looking, listening. That's all I've been doing for the past little bit. There's been so many teams make a lot of changes, and I was basically watching to see what the other guys in the South were doing, uh, to see which direction they were going to take their team in. And, I mean, I'm just keeping up with the rest of the league, too, naturally. But I have kind of been in that way just to see what's going to happen. And then I would decide what direction I was going in. Um, some of the ways that... Um, that some of the other teams have went and have gotten stronger. Some have gotten a little weaker. But I really think, as a whole, everybody got a little stronger in certain areas. Um, there was a few things. Well, let, let me let me touch on one thing. I think I mentioned this to Scott uh, when he asked me uh, before: was I what kind of moves was I going to make? What I was looking at doing? And I told him. I said my moves will be according to what the South does. This was Scott Straub? No, this was you. Oh. This, was, this, was, this was you. This was you. Um, basically, I've got three teams to beat, and those three teams are the other three in the South. Um, and any other division would be the same way. Those three teams are who I have to beat to make the playoffs. I don't have to worry about Mike or Brian or Joe or Brent or anybody else. Okay, I've got to play them. You've got to win the games. 
But my concern is what's the other teams doing? When I saw the direction they were going in, and I know we'll touch on the weakness of the South in just a few minutes. <laughs> uh, when I saw the direction some of the other teams were going, I thought, okay, now's the time. If I really want to get a little bit younger with some good, really good players, now's the time to do it and still remain competitive in the South. Well, let's let's focus on that a little more. Obviously, uh, Adrian Gonzalez and Jose Reyes will be missed in Richmond as the Rebels, you know, uh, try to gun for for another division title this year, but you've indicated to me behind the scenes that you, you, you think you can replace their production in the lineup and win this division in 2012. Why don't you tell us how you're going to do that? Well, one, one thing, and I, when this trade went down, and I've had a few other guys in the league, a few other managers, that have wanted or a question about Reyes and Gonzalez, and... Those were two pieces I knew that I could get some good good parts back for. Um, and, okay, a lot of the comments were, you know, it, it was a rip-off. It was, uh, you know, you know, da-da-da, take it how you want it. But uh, most of the people making all those comments are the ones that were non-playoff teams anyhow and really didn't even know what my team looked like. So having said that, I mean, uh, if you look at Freeman and um, – Yonder Alonso, I mean, those two combined are going to have more home runs, more RBIs than Adrian Gonzalez. Okay, you're having to use two, but there's an ulterior, ulterior motive there with uh, Alonso. Uh, he's a he's going to be a DH, and I don't want to hear anything about people in the league saying, "Well, he plays for San Diego, he ain't going to hit nothing." You guys told me that bullshit back years ago when. <laughs> When uh, Adrian Gonzalez, when I got him for basically nothing, and everybody said, oh, that's a terrible mistake. He's hitting in San Diego. He can't hit. Well, I've heard that before, you know. So Yes, he, I believe that was in – oh, you're, you may have to help me with the date. I don't even know if you remember. It, it was either – I think it was early 08, before the 08 season, I want to say. I, I traded Gonzalez. Um, this is actually the second time I've, I've owned Gonzalez. I originally acquired him from, from Ort for – it uh, seems like basically nothing back in, I don't know, 07 or something. But anyway, I traded Gonzalez to, to you, to the Rebels. I believe it was spring of 08 before that season started for Carlos Delgado <laughs> to try to follow That's... up to try to try follow up my uh, BDLCS run in 07 with who I thought at the time would be a more stable, more productive first baseman, at least for a couple more years of his, of his career. But that, it didn't really work out that way for the Gens. No, but actually at the time, everybody thought that was a really good trade for you. They thought, okay, Delgado was hitting 35 homers. He was driving in over 100. And here's Gonzalez. Oh, he plays for San Diego. He can't hit down there. Everybody in the league said that. And look what he's done. He was hitting 40 home runs in San Diego with absolutely nobody hitting behind him. And, you know, I heard the same thing when this trade was made. Okay, Alonzo's playing in San Diego now. He's not playing in Cincinnati. He's not going to hit anything. Okay, maybe he falls flat on his face. I don't think so. I didn't make the deal for him to fall flat on his face. I don't think he will. Uh, I think those two combined are going to be a big plus. Uh, two guys that I've got right now are Alex Presley and Jordan Schaefer. I'm going to hear a lot of boos on Schaefer. Both of these guys are 30-plus stolen base guys. Um, they're going to make up for Reyes. And 
one of the main ingredients in this trade that it, no one mentioned, that no one said a word about, was Makedo. Um, he's the intangible that's going to come along in a couple of years and want to make this trade look really good. It's not going to look that great right now. It will. It will down the road. Well, speaking of that youngster, it, it is Manny, in fact, the future face of your franchise in your mind? Oh, absolutely. That's what he was traded for to be, and uh, that's exactly what um, what I'm planning for. Uh, he's 6'3", 190. He's another Cal Ripken, uh, which will probably end up being a Yankee at some part in time, but um, we'll wait on that whenever it happens. Um, uh, one thing I did lose out on on the trade was saves, but that's an intangible that everybody in the league knows. It'll come, it'll go. You know, we'll pick up another closer. Uh, we're going to be just as strong in the South. Um, I think it was the shock was a whole lot of it, of the names that left the Rebels. Um, but Freddie Freeman coming off his sophomore year, um, I mean, these guys are going to be okay. I, I don't have any worries about them. Um, we got a lot younger. Uh, yeah, we gave up a lot of hardware to get some of this stuff. Um, but I think in the long run, it's really going to pay off. And this was the time to do it. This was the time that most of the teams in the South were still struggling to really get an identity of which way they want to go. And that's what I was waiting on, to see how the, how the owners were going to you know, what Scott was going to do, what Owens was going to do, um, you know, all the guys, you know, to kind of see. And they just seem like they're they're hitting and missing. They're, they're making a trade here. They're making a trade there. You know, Chris does a little, you know, and Mike does a little, and Scott does a little. And there's really, okay, in my opinion, and I don't mean no offense to these guys, it, it's kind of um, not in a pattern as far as was hard for me to tell what they were shooting for. Um, so that's why I decided, okay, now's the time to, uh, to jump out and let's see what we can do. Well, I think people are prob probably wondering how much you plan to retool the Rebels after trading franchise cornerstones Gonzalez and, and Reyes. Uh, obviously, you've already got Freeman in place long-term at first base, and, and Mikado will... Feel a big role for your infield, but what other long-term goals do you presently have for the team? Uh, long-term, um, as far as the team itself, uh, probably one of our biggest weaknesses weaknesses in the batting would be catcher. Um, but uh, in this trade, Conger come over. Um, I've got Castro, uh, which I'm not sure if he's going to develop into what I thought he was. Uh, there's bits and pieces um, in in the batting that I'm, I'm still looking at. Um, Adam Jones in the outfield, he's going to be solid for years. So we, we've got some good pieces already in place. Probably the starting pitching will be the, the main focus uh, now. Uh, we had several pitchers last year that were not necessarily hurt, but just had a really crappy year that just did not even, wasn't even close to their normal numbers. Um, Arroyo, Burnett, Pelfrey, Slowey, Blackburn. I mean, none of these are, are really number one pitchers, but they're good, solid number three pitchers um, that was were not even close um, 
to what they would just normally do on an average. They were way below that, and that really hurt last year. Let's let's dive a little deeper into that. You're already on record stating that you intend to compete for the South Division in 2012, but if if you were offered a package that complements the youth you've just acquired and and sets you up for the future more than you are right now, but that probably also sets you back maybe two years, would you take it? I probably would. Uh, I would have to look at the package naturally. I mean, it would have to be something that would have to be in the neighborhood of Mikado that's, you know, and, and I'm the very one that, that don't want to go out and say, well, he's a can't miss, he's bread and butter, he's got it, you know, he, he's it. Um, I've always been, until he proves it, he's not. Uh, Mikado is, you know, he's about as close as you can get to that, and it would have to be something in that line um, that I could look at and say, yep, now, this guy is going to, you know, he's going to stick around. He's going to be a little better than than a run of the mill. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I could move more pieces and uh, and even get weaker. Uh, if you, I don't like to use the word weaker, but I uh, could get a little more like that um, with looking at the future. Well, speaking of big roster moves, have you have you begun mapping your strategy to conform to the new offensive positions format that the league adopted in December? Uh, part of this trade that just went down is that um, with bringing in uh, Yonder Alonso, um, uh, he will plug straight into the DH role, and uh, that that was just a little part of it. Um, I mean, Ashley Freeman will be the first baseman, but. Alonzo, we've got a couple of guys in the farm system. Um, yes, we actually, Mike, do have a farm system in Richmond, <laughs> contrary to your beliefs. Uh, Aaron Hicks is one we're really high on, um, and I think he's going to be an exceptional player. Um, again, um, you know, I'm not one to jump out on the bandwagon if someone's not proved, but um, yeah, we've, we've got some pieces, and then there will be some more pieces that will come into play. Um, you know, as the year goes along, uh, leading up to next year. Well, you are you are actually one of the vocal opponents of those changes. What what didn't you like about the proposal, Mark? Well, basically, um, our league, in my mind, was as close as we could get to being the real thing. And now, in any kind of of fantasy baseball um, you can't it can't be exact it can't be exactly like the real thing they're just it's simply there's no way to do it um, I think doing what we're going to do with adding the batters um, is going to take away it's going to get further away from what the real game is uh, because Major League Baseball doesn't do what we're going to do now, that's not saying we do everything the way Major League Baseball does it, but I think we do it as close as we can get it. I think we could have tweaked the pitching in the form of going back to the 5-2 system where we have five starters, two closers, or two relief pitchers allowed per night. That would eliminate teams carrying three and four closers because you could not start but two at a time. Wouldn't eliminate you carry whatever you want to. But it would make it more balanced in that area. Um, 
if you can only start five pitchers a night, okay, you're not going to need as many pitchers. So you will probably not carry as many and carry another batter. That would eliminate the problem that I heard that everybody was okay, the batting, everybody's putting too much emphasis on pitching. I think a tweak like that would have helped, and I think it would have got us actually a little bit closer to the, to the real thing, but I think we moved away from it, and uh, we went in the wrong direction. That's simply, you know, I, it's fine. You know, we'll, we'll work with it, and we'll live with it. That's what was voted on, but I think we could have went another direction. Well, to, to contrast that, what benefit can you see the league gaining from it, if any? Well, the benefit uh, would be, okay, you're going to get more, um, well, just for an example, more of the Casey Kochmans of the league involved in play. Uh, you'll see a lot of the 10 home run guys or 12 home run guys that are sitting out there on waiver wires that nobody wants. Okay, they're going to be a little valuable now. They're going to have some value, and people are going to pick them up. They're going to use them. Maybe a little more for trades or what, whatever. Um, maybe the bats are going to be a little more valuable coming up from the farm system. Uh, you're going to look at things a little different when you draft. Um, are you, I mean, right now the draft is everybody wants you know the arms, the arms, the arms. Uh, this will probably change it a little bit, and it'll be a little more toward the bats. Um, maybe a little, maybe not much. Um, it will, I think, have a little bit of an effect on it. Um, but getting more involved uh, as far as, the, as some of the waiver wire people, um, yeah. And probably some that, that may get stubborn and, okay, I'll try not to and just keep my pitching and, um, you know, say the hell with the rest of it. I don't care. I, you know, I can't do that because you're not going to win. As simple as that. So you're going to have to bend with it and go with it. Well, let's shift to something I'm willing to bet you have a lot to say about, and that's the overwhelming love your South Division has gotten from the rest of the league this offseason. Uh, even at the West's lowest point, I'm not sure it was ever kicked while it was down the way the South has been lately. What was your initial reaction to the comments on TMO and Stuck in the Ivy about that, as, as well as the subsequent comments on the forum and on our newest show, Breaking Balls. Well, actually, yeah, when I listened to that, most of the people that I hear talking about that are the ones that ain't even in the playoffs anyhow. So I don't put much faith in it. And then, of course, Mike says a lot, but nobody pays any attention to him anyhow, so it really don't matter on him, but uh, no offense there, Mike. Um, actually, when, when, they, when they talk like that, uh, that just puts a little bit more fuel on the fire. I like it. You know, bring it on. Um, um, as far down as you want to kick, uh, we'll show you how far up we can go. And, um, you know, I kind of like the, I read the comment that, uh, going back to Mike again, I'm going to beat him up a little bit. <laughs> um, I think he made the comment that um, he could take his team and beat the all-star team from the south. And uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm remembering this right now, it was uh, a quote, on paper. Ooh, I'm scared of that paper, boys. Uh, yeah, anybody can put it on paper. I feel like I'm talking to Craig Hunter all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, anybody can do it on paper. Uh, you can have the best team on paper. Just ask, uh, ask Mr. Scott here how good his team was on paper when he lost the championship. 
and just ask the other two how good they were when the Falcons beat them. On paper, the Falcons were one of the worst teams, what well, was the worst team in the playoffs. There will be none of that talk on this show. <laughs> so, yeah, on paper, you can make just about anything work. Uh, but, no, as far as the kick in the South, I mean, you know, South's got three championships here, folks. Um, you know, you can't take those away. But I think it goes without saying that the league has, has come to expect a certain standard of quality from the Rebels over the years. You're always, almost always, given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, with, with that in mind, did, did you view the criticisms of the South as a personal attack of sorts? Um, yeah, in a way, because I'm, a, I'm the original South member, so to speak, the one that's left. And uh, I still, again, I still viewed it as, um, you know, you just attack all you want to attack. Um, you know, give it your best shot, and I'll show you what we got. Well, do you, and just one follow-up here, do, do, you, do you feel, though, that the, the criticisms of the South, were they warranted at all? I mean, do, do you think that the South is on a downturn right now? Um, on a downturn. No, not a downturn. Um, the South has never, since I've been in this league, been looked at as one of the best divisions. Now, okay, there, there was a few years there that the West, okay, you know, the West was beat up, everybody, the West, West, it's, it's you know, okay, they may have considered the South just a slightly notch above the West, but the South has never been viewed as a, as actually a contender, period. They ne we've never been viewed as that. And so the attacks on it, I don't, I mean, we just let it do its talking for us. Um, and. 2010, we won the All-Star game. You know, we've got three championships. We had two teams in the playoffs last year. And, okay, I know what you're saying out there. I mean, okay, you got two teams in the playoffs last year. You're beating up on each other. No wonder you're getting so many wins. Well, I think we look back, we'd see that's a little different. But, you know, when it comes down, I mean, you can put anything on paper you want to put. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's what you do that particular week. And this was proven so many times in this league, and so many times. Uh, the Falcons that went into the playoffs that people laughed at and, and simply walked through the playoffs with two and three weeks of unbelievable and beating teams there's no way could have beat. Yeah, I still don't like that guy. <laughs> well, um, I'll have to give you that too. Um, well, speaking of speaking of Earn, the, the old... Rebels-Falcons rivalry was, was part of the fabric of the BDL for a very long time. And, you know, your divisional battles with Earn won't soon be forgotten around here, I don't think. That in mind, I'm curious how you feel this generation of competition in the South stacks up against those, those glory days. The one thing that, that's different uh, in the South right now, in the Southern Division, um, and I don't mean this to any offense to anyone in the South, but, you know, with, with me and Scott Staub, um, you know, we're constantly, okay, maybe me not as much lately, but we're constantly up the South. You know, we're constantly fighting for it and talking and going, you know, this and this and this. And it, it with Mike and Chris, uh, they kind of, go with the flow 
so to speak. You know, they just ride with you know whatever's going on, and they don't really get into the gung ho. You know, this this is ours. This belongs to us. This is our division. That's what it was before. That's what we had back in those days with the Falcons, Rebels. Um, it was a gung ho. We're going to beat each other in the division plumb to death. We're going to kick each one of them out. But when it comes to other teams, we will gang up on them. I just don't feel that that type right now. So you're saying you're you're looking for more divisional pride from from the oh, other absolutely. guys? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look what the East does. Look at the North. Okay, the West is kind of trying to get into it a little bit now, but the East and the North are good examples. I mean, these two groups. I mean, they just you know they go out for blood if you say anything bad about their division, and that's the way it used to be in the South. And um, you know, it's just it doesn't seem like it's there the way it used to. And I would really like to see it get back until you know we just get in and jump in and, and with both feet. And it seems like we've just got a couple of sets of feet now. And again, I don't mean this any in any bad way toward Mike and Chris, and but you know, I'd love to see those guys really just you know. I don't mean you have to change banners or do anything, whatever. Um, you know, it would be just it'd be good to really see some you know just just kick it up for the South a little bit and. Um, uh, the way it used to be. It's 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 kind of gone the other way now, um, and I can I can sit and watch and see the see Mike and Scotty and Craig and all of them. I mean they're just they're bragging about the division. They're fighting one another. But now if it come down to the whole division, they'd fight anybody else, and that's what we used to have in the South. We we've talked a lot about league history today, and I, I'm I'm curious who you believe has been the best team owner. Of the past six years since since the BDL's original expansion back in 2006, you know I just told you I hated that damn question. <laughs> okay, th- this is tough, folks. This is wow. And when I looked at this question, you know I went over this and over this and over this, and you know I could pick out well I could pick out three four. Um, maybe two in particular um, that I would, over the past six years, that's been, you know, if you want to call it the most valuable manager. Um, and this, this again, um, I would have to say, no oh God, I'm going to get killed for this. <laughs> um, Although he's never won the Daytona 500 <laughs> in his six years, which basically means no championships, uh, Johnny, in the past six years, um, has had his team in the playoffs every year. He's always there with them, um, although he's always been the bridesmaid. You know, he, he's never got the drink out of the champagne glass. Uh, uh, you know, maybe that will happen. I don't know. He's kind of retooled his team now. Um, but as far as somebody that has been totally consistent every year, I mean, you just uh, you just simply pencil Johnny in as, as being there every year. Um, yeah, I, I would have to give it 
give it to him over the past six years as being the most consistent manager team, uh, the killer car company. What about what about your franchise specifically? Are are you happy with your seven year run here in the BDL? Oh, absolutely. Um, playoff contention every year. There's not been one year that we've been knocked out of contention before the last week of the season. We've either been in the playoffs or missed it by a half a game or a game uh, that's come right down to the very end. Um, and if then either if we if we missed the, the the division, it's been a wild card. Uh, so no, I mean my team has always been you know you never count us out. We've always been there. I've always made enough moves uh, to keep the team either close to the playoffs or in the playoffs. Um, a couple of years, I think we should have went a lot deeper in the playoffs than we did. Um, one year in particular, and I'll throw this one out really quick. That was the year that. Uh, we had Jake Peavy, Johan Santana, uh, fully loaded, uh, went into the playoffs against the Falcons. Um, I had two double starts out of Peavy that, the first week of the playoffs, double starts out of Santana, uh, ready to rip. And for two games that week, Peavy got absolutely destroyed, killed, worst he's pitched all year, had one of the worst weeks I had had in two years. And this is why I would go back to say you can write it down on paper all you want to, but when it comes up to that week and things go wrong, there's, there's, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. It just it, you just won't, you know, what do you do? And uh, I, I learned that lesson all too, all too well myself against, against your old uh, division buddy, so I, I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah he's uh, gone and... For my part, forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if it all ended today, for for whatever reason, what would you want your legacy to be in the BDL? My legacy in the BDL, probably as a pistol packing, say anything redneck who was always in the hunt. I believe that'd be fairly accurate. That would be about just about what I could give you right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw my shotgun on my shoulder. I'll always going to be here. Well, Mark, a few minutes ago, Johnny and I revealed our predictions for the 2012 season here in the BDL, and and now I'm interested to hear yours. Um, let's start with, with each division. Who, who do you have winning each division this year? We'll, we'll start with the North. Starting with the North. Well, um, winning the North. Um I'm going to go with the Wallabies in the north. Um, and I'm going to go with them over the cars. Over the cars? Yes. Okay. Um, I still think Johnny has enough and or will get enough to be competitive. I do think that Brent has put together a good enough team this year until the noise he's going to make will get him the north division. What about the South? The South. I'm going to stay with the Rebs the way it looks. I'm uh, going to stay with, with my bunch of guys. Um, looking at the rest of the division and uh, what these guys have done and what I've done, uh, I still think there's enough firepower left in Richmond to hold on and win the division again this year. The East. 
The East, boy, oh boy, this, this is the one right here. Um, Flip a coin. This one actually changes from day to day. Um, for the past week, it's changed from day to day, and I have done all my predictions this morning, and as we're driving down the road coming back to my house here, there's been another trade made. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the East, um, the Generals. I like that prediction myself. <laughs> I thought you might like I, that. I am fully on board with that I prediction. I thought you might like that one. The West. The West, well, I mean, it, it's it's going to be a little closer, okay, given that damage. that's you know, Who do you think finishes second in the division this year in the West? Yeah, second in the West. That is going to be, a, in my mind, a toss-up, but I give a slight edge to the elevation. Okay. To finish second in the West. That's four playoff teams. Tell me who your wild cards are, starting with the first one. Wild cards. Um, let me do it like this. I'm going to name over four teams really quickly that I think are going to fight for the wild card. Okay. And then I'm going to give you the two that's going to make it. Shoot. Um, the Epidemic. Uh, I thought they were overrated. Uh, they are, but they're still good. <laughs> they're still good. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> um this is for okay. Let me let me rephrase a little bit. This is for the second wild card. These are these are teams fighting for the second, second wild card. Wild, the first. You want me to give you the first? One? It, it, okay. Any order. Okay. The first wild card. This is your winner, right? Nope. This is the first wild card. These are who who's fighting for the first wild card? No, no. This is who will take the first wild card, hands down. Okay. Will be the Rockets. The Rockets. And this is for the second wild card. These are four teams that. I think we're going to fight to the death in epidemic, the cars, mm -hmm. uh, the elevation, and the cramps are the four teams I think it's going to come down to so close. Now you're going pretty deep. You're going pretty deep in the standings there without touching the Bulldogs. Uh, just that's just a notable omission that I I've not seen anything worth touching down there yet. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> Um, who, who do you have coming out on top out of those four for the second wild card? Well, this, this will probably, um, and again, uh, this is going to be any given week, any given thing can happen. I still think the killer car is going to make the playoffs. All right. So you got the Wallabies, the Rebels, the Gens, and the Damage winning their respective divisions with the Rockets and the killer car company taking the two wild cards. So that just leaves one very interesting question. Who are the two? Mr. Wampler. Well. Who faces off for the BDL championship this year? Who faces off? Well, this, this will probably please some and kill others, but um, the two that I think right now, now right now, as it stands this minute, as of 30 minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, the way it's going right now in the BDL, this stuff changes about every 20 minutes. It'll likely change by the time you guys hear this. By the time you hear this, somebody else is going to be a favorite. Right now, I can see the generals and the damage playing for the championship. Uh, if you look up and down each lineup, if you look at what these guys have, uh, bats, pitching, closing, everything up and down, and don't start hollering at me about injuries because that does not come into effect. I mean, you go with what you got. The Rockets have an extremely good chance. They're just as strong as they were. But I think the firepower will lie between the generals and the damage. And uh, I kind of think 
the generals may just end up keeping the trophy at home this year. See, that's why we like to have compelling guests on TMO. I like the way you think, Mark. I really, really do. I must say. Well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to go right up and down the list and do it objectively. I know that uh, Mr. John Wu won't agree with that because he's already given me the trophy, um, the <laughs> coffee cup, the mug. I saw that. And, uh, John, that coffee cup didn't have a thing to do with my, with my decision. Uh, now, in and another. The Brotherhood, okay, they're better. Uh, they've gotten better. Then they pulled it back a little bit on a trade or two, I think. They kind of went a little bit in the direction of... Kind of an unexpected turn for the Amish. Yeah, yeah. I was I was seeing what they were doing and thinking, okay, you know, okay, he, this is a little better now. He can really beat it. All of a sudden, whoa, he fell back a little bit. You know, okay, okay. Uh, Parkview. You know, I could see things going in one direction, and it's okay, stronger, stronger, and then all of a sudden, I'm not so sure that helped him so much. And Parkview was one that, okay, was you know, I was still considering for the wild card spot, but over the last little bit, a couple of trades have kind of put it till, okay, I think he's fell below one or two of the teams a little bit. Again, things can change um, as they do so quickly in the BDL. But I do think, as it stands right now, if if um, if the main teams, and when I'm saying main teams, I don't, I'm not trying to leave anybody out. But when I'm saying main teams, I'm saying the Generals, the Damage, uh, the Rockets, uh, Wallabies. I consider them a main player now. Epidemic still is in there. Um, if you take all of those and nothing changes from right now, that's kind of how I would see it coming out to the end. Well, Mark, we appreciate you joining us on TMO today for our uh, 25th podcast, and wish you luck this year. Okay, thanks. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be right there at the end, um, and you never know. With your pistols drawn. With my pistols drawn, boys. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Uh, a great interview. Uh, glad to have you back anytime. Uh, Johnny, one thing we did wanted to we, we did want want to look at. Excuse me. Uh, today, um, something I thought was was kind of interesting, and, and that was um, parity in the BDL and how it changed so greatly uh, from one month to the next this off season. Um, I, I don't know what your perspective on this is, and we this is something else we haven't discussed uh, in great detail before we recorded today. But uh, what what in short is your perspective on how how parity or or how the perception of parity for 2012 would have gone compared to how it will now. Well, I think uh, parity comes from teams on an even playing field, and I think the idea is we've got 16 managers now that um, know what they're doing. I mean, I, I, you can't say I think they know what they're doing. I mean, all 16 I've seen make moves that you know I like. It's going to better your team. Um, so. They come in and, and immediately the competition's greater. And um, however, before all this flurry of activity, I didn't I didn't have you or the Cramps making the playoffs. So I mean, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, we'd see probably teams like the Amish. Um, myself, I would like to be in that wild card race. Um, the epidemic, these other teams um, pushing for a playoff spot, um, but. To me, these these top six are, are pretty well set at this point now. Yeah, really, February 
February was um, it was an unprecedented month in the BDL for for activity and well not just activity that that's that's a that's putting it too simplistically um, just the the overturn of of power uh, in, in this league and when I when I and I, I made a few notes here the playoff picture pre February okay and it will say in January. The, the teams that you had likely to make the playoffs, you go down the list, the Damage, the Rockets, the Rebels, the Amish Brotherhood, uh, the Wallabies, the Epidemic, uh, and you had several teams that were strong maybes uh, for the playoffs, the Cramps, the Generals, the Elevation, the Panthers, uh, the Bulldogs, and you even had some teams that you know, with a lot of luck, stood a chance for the playoffs, at least in my opinion, uh, the Wu, the Killer Cars. Now, the playoff picture post-February, uh, it's, it's whittled down greatly. You know, you have, you, have, you have virtual locks with several of these teams, the Damage, the Rockets, the Generals, the Wallabies, uh, the Cramps, and whoever stumbles to the finish line in the South. Um... You know, the epidemic and elevation with a lot of luck may have a shot. A lot of luck. But several teams just fell off the map completely, at least in my view. Uh, the Killer Cars, the Bulldogs, the Panthers, the Amish, the Wu. So, really, Johnny, I, I think we went from, in, in January, what, what could have been um, the most parity-driven year the BDL has ever experienced in 2012 to... Really, just a, a gigantic shift of power that that wiped that idea off the map completely. Yeah, I mean, I more or less agree with you. Uh, what we might see is incredible parity in the South Division, and it'll be interesting to see which guys kind of make moves to get in the playoffs because you know anything can happen once in your, you're in the playoffs, um, and which guys try to you know accumulate more talent, uh, sit back a little. Um, it's going to be very exciting. The East is has competition up and down, but uh, I think are more assured of playoff spots at this point. So, I mean, while I don't have myself uh, currently making the playoffs with these predictions, I want Brent to know that I will not stop until I do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, Johnny. There, there, there does seem to be a lot of interdivision parity, in a sense anyway, um, the South being a prime example. Um, Maybe not for the best reasons, <laughs> but uh, um, league-wide, it, it you know I pro probably there's there's less parity going into this year than we even had last year or, or in 2010. Yeah, I mean the parity might look worse uh, at in the off season here in the beginning of the year. Um, like I just mentioned, I'm not going to stop. I think Joe's pretty confident he's got a good team. Um, the West is out to get the damage. So I think with everyone's uh, competitive fires, you know, what might seem like locks just may turn out to be solid races this year. Yeah, and I hope you're right. And I, I do believe this is, the, this is the absolute best group of 16 guys, smartest group of 16 guys we have ever had in this league. And, you know, I, I'm confident that, that true parity will rise, you know, uh, in this league in, in the very near future. Um, but, you know, it, it is kind of a, a, a notable story of this offseason how, at least in my opinion, we were very close. We were on the cusp of it. Um, but in, in the matter of, or in, in a matter of, 
what, two weeks, three weeks, that notion was just obliterated. Well, guys, uh, this, month, this month's show marks our 25th TMO podcast. It's unbelievable to look back and, and realize we've been geeking out like this for, for quite that long, Johnny. <laughs> we've been the bomb. We have. And as long ago as late last season, we actually began uh, considering ways to, to celebrate uh, this upcoming milestone show. And reflecting on, on these last four years made us recognize, Johnny, I think, that although TMO is the pioneer BDL show, it, it's part of a larger kind of sub-world of Black Diamond League fantasy baseball that's also made great by our cousin broadcast, Stuck in the Ivy. Uh, Craig of the Bulldogs and, and John of the Woo work hard, just like we do, uh, you know, to add something very special and very unique to this league. So with that in mind, we thought the best way to celebrate this, t this 25th TMO podcast was to pull those guys in for a chat about what the BDL media empire has added to this league over the years and, and how it's an integral part of what makes the BDL, in my opinion, the single best place to play fantasy baseball in the world. So let's kick it off. It's been a while since we've had these two uh, jokers on the hotline here, Johnny, but I'm excited to have them here to celebrate just how great TMO is. Uh, John of the Woo and Craig of the Bulldogs, our sisters in the world of BDO commentary. Welcome to the show, guys. Yep, shouldn't have let you do the lead-in, but how you doing, guys? <laughs> uh, no, no, really, in, in all seriousness, we, we, we felt... Uh, you know, to celebrate TMO's 25th podcast, it, it was only right to have the two of you guys on the show. You know, you you guys really do a, a fantastic job with, with Stuck in the Ivy. And speaking from experience, of course, I, I know what a chore it can be to put these shows together and arrange the guests and work through post-production to make everything sound great. And so, from, you know, from, from one host to two others and, and from a member of this league, uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say that uh, your your hard work doesn't doesn't go unappreciated and, and the BDL is certainly a better league because of it. Uh, so, from that perspective, uh, thank you. And you know, let's let's consider this a celebration of both shows, uh, two men on and stuck in the Ivy, because they're both, you know, they're they're both integral parts of what makes this league special. Well, thanks, guys, and congratulations. Uh, Twenty-five episodes is quite the milestone. Uh, I think you're about double what we've done, so it's quite a something to be proud of. Actually, I think you're closer to us than you realize, unless uh, unless Craig's math is wrong on the Stuck in the Ivy website. But no, no, it's just a scot. Well, I drink beer, John drinks scotch, so it's a two to one ratio in what we remember. So actually, if if you think about it, he's right about where we. Expected. How many have we done? We've actually just did our twenty second. Was the one we just posted? Yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> no, what? Well, and and how, how and many were in the first year? We kind of went nuts in the first year. I, I, I'd have to look, but I'm guessing we had at least eight to ten in the first year. <laughs> I, I, I went back and glanced at the old episodes and was just kind of amazed at like. I mean, our goal our goal has always been weekly, but it was you know almost almost adhered to in the first year. <laughs> to be fair, that was that was pre John marriage that probably helped out some as well. But but we do what we can. I was going to say, how many did you actually let John know were being recorded? <laughs> It's kind of funny. You turn a camera on this guy. You, you don't have to do anything. He just kind of takes the show on his own. I, th I think the singing skills alone we saw during the Christmas episode demonstrated that. 
absolutely. <laughs> that was fantastic. Well, it's it's actually also worth noting um, having Craig back on the show today is is doubly appropriate considering. Uh, he was he was the very first guest GM on on Two Men On way back in, in 2008. I, I don't know that that uh, that he remembered he was the very first guest, but uh, I, I do, and I also that. remember that was a very good year for the Bulldogs. I agreed to this, knowing that uh, the trend holds that uh, first guest of of you know the show and during the 2008. If I can do it again this year, it should be a pretty good payoff. We're going to slide right on by that comment and get right <laughs> into things. Uh, <laughs> A lot of that year was forgettable for me. I, I actually forget that interview. Yeah. <laughs> I can but quote some I of the questions still. Who would you rather give up, Zambrano or Hanley Ramirez? For the record, several years later, I'd like to change my answer. <laughs> well, speaking of, of course, we were talking about the number of shows we've done, and I, I guess it's it's um, best to start this roundtable by, by getting some reaction from everyone on you know that overwhelming fact. And by the time this airs, um, TMO and Stuck in the Ivy will have produced uh, around 50 shows collectively since December of 2007 when uh, when TMO debuted. So, gentlemen, uh, I think it's official. We are huge nerds. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I uh, I remember going back, way back to uh, just when the league first started. It was like 06, 07-ish and talking with you. And we would call each other and... and kind of talk for hours, and that was a little weird, but after, uh, afterwards, we started realizing, like, you know, people would want to hear this. money off of this. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I couldn't get enough fantasy baseball talk, so I figured, you know, everybody else couldn't either. For the record, I have no idea if we're talking about TMO or how a sex line got started. Like, <laughs> the story could go either way from this point I, I think the recording started as evidence, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing pillow talk led to something formalized. That's all i got going here. <laughs> well, it's funny because Stuck in the Ivy came out, I guess, Scotty, you had, you had floated the idea to, to John originally. And, um, and I recall, John, we were out at a, at a bar, and, and, and John said, I got this idea. He's like, all right, let's, let's see where this might go. And it's uh, like, let's do a TV show. And we're talking about it, and like, that's a great idea. got some creative vibes. And I was like, how do you plan on producing it? How do you plan on, on doing this and doing that? He's like, I just got to the idea of having a TV show. We'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the entire history of Stuck in the Ivy right there. <laughs> um, yeah, Scotty had actually approached me, and I think more as a practical joke, had suggested that I get a web camera and do a video show by myself talking about the BDL. And given, one, my complete lack of technological know-how, coupled with the thought of one guy sitting on the Internet talking about his fantasy baseball league, <laughs> it just seemed like the perfect train wreck. And so I did what comes naturally and, you know, grabbed Craig to hop on that train with me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't recall exactly my my thought process behind approaching it, John. I mean, I guess you know everybody just kind of you know accepts the fact that you know you're you're certainly the most witty guy we've got around here. And I, I'm, I'm sure at the time I thought, well, you know, that'd be great on camera. But uh, you know, I, I've got to say, it, it, the way it worked out, it was it was it was great because um, you know you you approaching Craig and you know Craig being really the ideal person to to kind of pull into the loop on on that sort of project. Um, to to kick off the the BDL TV wing of our media presence, for lack of a better way to, to put it, um, you know both TMO and Stuck in the Ivy have 
they've evolved over the years, of course. But you know, Craig, you, I think you really seem to enjoy the production end of things. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's. I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but at the same time, the if you're going to do it, you know, do it right. And um, John and I had this conversation early on, where after our first episode, he's like, "All right, so do we upload it? Like, what do we do?" And I said, "Well, you got to edit it." He's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> He's like, you just put it all up there, right? He's like, hey, you get I was like, well, no. Remember all those times we looked at each other and said, I can't believe you just said that. Let's start over. He's like, yeah, I just thought that was funny and the humor. I'm like, yeah, no, after a while, those are going to get old. We've got, we got to smooth this thing out. And, uh, and actually, it's, it's, it, you know, it started out where there was a lot of cutting because, well, it's us. Um, as time has gone on, we've actually gotten into a much better flow. The the we we pick up and and leave off. It's kind of sad. It's it's Regis and Kathy Lee, and sorry, but I'm Regis. Um, and it's really like you you pick up the cues, you keep moving, you keep going. And so the editing now is a lot more about making sure that it's everything is smooth, that the quality is there, that we can do kind of the intros, the cuts, and the splices with with people on. But um, but yeah, you know, if you're going to put it out as as TMO has. Proven you better put out quality, or it's really not worth it. Well, I mean, I, you know, I can relate to that that side of things really well because, uh, you know, in the beginning for us, it was <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of rough moments, and I, I think it was <laughs> fairly fairly early on in, in TMO's existence that that we came out with the first uh, TMO gag reel that went for a few minutes, and it was really funny. You know, several outtakes from from the show that that, that didn't make the actual show. Um, uh, but you know, uh, over time, as Johnny will attest to, um, there have been fewer and fewer of those. We we tend to get through shows a lot easier, more more easily now, and and it, it's taken us uh, a lot longer to get to the point of being able to use another gag reel. Which, by the way, for for everybody listening, uh, you'll be able to to listen to volume two of the of the TMO gag reel. Um, uh, starting today, uh, releasing with uh, alongside this episode. So, but it's taken a few years to get to that second one. And but yeah, you really just kind of settle into a groove of things of just making sure that it, you know, it flows smoothly. And yeah, you know, <laughs> I get so embarrassed. So when I when I when I listen back to those first two or three episodes, Johnny, I, I, I don't know if you've ever gone back and listened to them anytime recently. Um, but uh, they're uh, <laughs> they're pretty raw. No, I have it, but I I can remember the feeling. I get the same feeling every every time we we start an episode. I'm really nervous, um, and I don't know why because we've been doing it for a while. But I guess maybe the uh, sexual tension has died down a little. <laughs> well, that's just sad. <laughs> you got to find a way to spice it up. Call from the bathtub. Have a candle around. Well, you know what? That that gag reel is my absolute favorite. I mean, because that's pretty much how I feel every time I do the show. Like, I laugh constantly, and, uh... I'm still laughing about the sexual tension comment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a good Uh, one. Very nice. I I, I know for us, and actually I know for you guys from the one episode that I did of TMO, it's always like the first minute, too. I mean, we we have had a lot of episodes where we have redone the first, you know, 30 seconds four or five times, and then are completely smooth after that. But it's just kind of like that jumping in a cold pool. Like, it's it's just, it's it's a rough transition. <laughs> well, and you know, the funny thing is, and so this was a nice thing, since we since we blotted him out of a full season of City, now we can talk about him on this reel. You know, the, the way that this, this, let's not talk about Owen's team came around, is that uh, that first season when he was in the league, we had a show, and I kept 
going to refer to his team. And I could never, at the time, pull Crystal, Crystal see, now I'm doing it again. I couldn't pull out the Mavericks <laughs> in the right way. I kept saying like, Crystal, Crystal City, Crystal something, Crystal something else, and it kept, well, and, or, I just kept slaughtering it. Crystal City something at the time. Yeah, and I was just, it was just awful. It was all over. And so we ended up cutting, retaking, and, and I kept having to splice together. the. So finally we just said, screw it. We're not talking about it. Like, it's out. It's done. And then from there, it just kept the gag just continued all year because he actually noticed that he wasn't there or that it got, it got messed up and then it got cut the rest of the show. And so then we were like, you know what? Screw it. We're going with this. And, and so it, uh, that, that's exactly what happened. But that led to an ongoing kind of uh, year-long gag at, at Owen's expense. So thanks, Owen. <laughs> Well, you know, obviously, you know, what, what league members hear on these broadcasts are, you know, the opinions of fellow GMs, uh, but do, do you guys feel that, feel the fact that those views are sort of put on display publicly in this way makes them more, I don't know, more influential? I, I think it goes without saying the guys very much anticipate how we and our guests react to what's going on in, in the BDL. I think that, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of a relief that we both shows have been at this for a while and we get a lot of shit wrong. So it's kind of, I mean, <laughs> if if you say something and even if you're trying to be influential with it, I think that there's plenty of evidence to, to walk back from that. Um, I think from the shows themselves, I think that, you know, there is a little bit of that chemistry that, y'all have together and that Craig and I have where most of the time we're disagreeing. I think that when we agree on some either criticism or praise, I think that probably has influence, but I think as individual, you know, commentators, no, we're just, you know, one of 16 people that are, you know, somewhat knowledgeable at the BDL. And, I, and, and, you know, I think it's also a matter of it's, it is personality type at a certain level. It's, it's, it's the chemistry type. I think you either, you know, Scotty, you have a unique position because you're coming at it from, you know, the, the founder, you know, so, so there's definitely a, a gravitas from, from talking from that perspective. Um, I think that you either have to have that or you have to be just generally kind of the likable guy that 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 Johnny and and John represent or you just have to be fine being a lightning rod and that's I kind of fall into that latter category obviously um and I think it's it, I don't know if it comes with more I don't think anybody listens to this and says oh I didn't think about that before but I think at the same time um with 16 guys that are virtually based with some pockets of exceptions you know I think being able to hear and being able to see the personification of what we type about you know way too many hours of a day um I think that gives a little more just kind of interest level to it, at least for me, is that I'm thinking, you know, that's really interesting. Now let me feed off of that and keep this going. I think it's just another way to get involved and give it all a little more essence. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, Craig, I mean, how, how, how much do you guys think the – let's just take the, 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 new, the newest four guys. Um, uh, gosh, off the top of my head, real, I'm Scott and Kevin and Owens and Chris. Uh, of course, I don't know a couple of them now. I've really been around a couple of years, but – you know when when we have when we have newer members that that come into the league and and, and they see these broadcasts for for the first time and, and and are able to go back through the archive of them. I mean, they must be just. I mean, it's just something completely unique to any other to to my knowledge to any other fantasy league out there. Yeah, well, I mean, keep what, in what, mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, when, I, when Owen first started working with me, um, I, w- I basically couldn't keep my mouth shut, and I would talk about this league 24-7 to him. And once he realized that we were this insane, like, I don't think he could get enough of it either. I think everyone else in the league is more or less like us, and it kind of, um, I think, weaves the fabric of the BBL a little tighter now that they can hear us and interact with us a little more. Uh, at least I hope so. Um, but so, but I try to be, you know, from my standpoint, um, honest, not to pull any punches. Um, but I don't know. No, I, well, and I, I think you know Owens is a, is, a, is a great case because, you know, I'm wondering how many previous fantasy leagues he's been in, which I'm assuming is is numerous, having having been and talked sports with him. Um, at the same time, I wonder how many of those he found himself doing an interview from a car in a garage for <laughs> and felt normal about it. You know, that, that, I think that's fantastic. Um, and I was going to say, keep in mind, the, 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 the real awkward and the kind of the moment of truth for me is when I recruited Matt into this league. Uh, you know, the, the cusp of the new guys, if you will. And... Uh, you know, this was a colleague at, at I, I worked with daily, and for a while it was a boss. I actually reported into Matt at one point, um, and so there was that moment where it was like, "Do you like? Fa- I know you like fantasy sports. I know you love baseball. This would be great for you." <laughs> so I got to tell you about this one thing. <laughs> this is a little different. We we kind of geek out on the extra side of things here, uh, and, and he kind of looked at me sideways. He's like, "Wait, what? What? You do what now?" He's like, "Are you serious?" And I think uh, whenever you go ahead. No, I say, and, and and now he's asked to be a guest. So I mean, I, I'm just saying, you know, this league changes people for the better. I think it's like when you look at any like really perverted couple that's into like <clears throat> crazy kinky stuff, and you know that there was a point in that relationship where everything had been normal up until that point, <laughs> and then you felt comfortable enough that you were like, oh, and by the way, there's this crazy shit. And then you just hope the person doesn't run for their life. And, and we've been lucky enough that the managers we've brought in have kind of, like, embraced it and gone along. But I think there is always that fear that they're going to be like, wait, you have, you know, a, a media show about the league? Oh, wait, you have two? And then, you know, you hear the door slam. Actually, the funny part is there's actually a flip side of that. There might be a screening value here in that we've actually lost two or three. We, we talk about the ones we keep because we forget quickly about the rest. Um, but there's actually been two or three managers in the past three years that only lasted a matter of weeks, if months, um, along the way. One of those, and I, I have no recollection of his name anymore to, to, to make the point, um, was on one of the draft preview shows we did. And I had done, it was, it was the year that, that Strasburg and, and that class came out. So it was a big, top-heavy draft where Brian owned pretty much the top half of it. And uh, I had done interviews, and Johnny had done with you, Scotty, Brian, with all of the top contenders, and we actually talked about maybe 15, 20 guys that could all go in the top 10. So then as the draft was going up, City posted interviews with those GMs about their thoughts on why they drafted that candidate. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of these interim managers was completely freaked out by this and was convinced there wasn't really a show. I was just doing this to gather intelligence on what he was going to draft. Um, I think that's this team that Owens took over, if memory serves. I, I don't know, I Scotty, think if you that was, I think that was Jeff Agronoff. That might have been Aggie. right. I think that was, was that the Aggies? The Aggies. The Aggies. Yeah. yeah the uh, Aggies. But, but, you know, screen. I don't think that was Jeff, though, because I thought it was someone that lasted even shorter than that. Um, oh, wow. Jeff, uh, Jeff wasn't here long, but we. Ryan Miller of the Nuts? Ah, uh, uh, maybe it was Ryan. Far. No, that's going back too far, though. Nuts were here for longer, but they too were shorter. Far. Maybe it was the Aggies. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was. You might be right. I think, you know, maybe that is right. Um, but wasn't I remember Don, that. Was it? him out. Sorry? Wasn't Don, was it? 
No, no, it wasn't Don. Don would never get on the phone for fear of spies being able to record what he was thinking. <laughs> so, but no, I, I think there's, a, I think there's a good kind of the people that buy into this league buy into it kind of hook, line, and sinker. And I think the, the media aspect of it is just another, another version of that. We, we enjoy what we do, and like any good Star Trek fan club, we revel in it to the best we can. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna start uh, like a cult, uh, like phenomenon with. Uh, those who do interviews in my car, like uh, Brian has the, the what is it, the wall, the wall of cramps or whatever. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I'm we gotta bring paid. that back, especially this season for him. Good call. Yeah, well, he, he 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 never let it go because I I'm I'm on there every year prominently, <laughs> and, and yeah. he reminds me every year. That's fantastic. I cannot beat that team. Joe Beth always did, but you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. How do you guys feel about talking about your like your own team like while we're doing this? Because at at first, like in the beginning, I used to uh, ramble because that's all I would think about a lot. I think I've gotten better at it. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but I, I it's think it's like hard a to, fine line. It's hard to do in passing. I, I think that you either have to kind of abstain about talking about your own team, or I find I'll get kind of a simple reference. And because there's so much kind of programmed in my head, just other things that I've been thinking about my team, that I'll find that I have like an eight-minute answer on a simple question. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. It's all stored up in there. Well, and actually, you know, to the to the, the one of the topics that came up, we did the whole show focusing when I did the team switch with what is now what was the bombs, um, and I found that to be a very awkward show actually, and I think I think in terms of all of our shows, it wasn't one of the best ones we've done. And I think it was actually the extreme of what you're talking about is that it's just not that interesting to hear a manager go on and on about their team. If that's the case, we can go on the boards and see that all the time. Joe's always available. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Craig, so that was kind of a different situation. I mean, that, that was a very unique you know that was a very unique. No, I know, I know, I know, I know that, and 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 it, it also, but but to, but the Johnny's point, the extension of interesting, not interesting, good point, not good point. Um, when you're talking about your team, it's it's almost just too easy. It's almost too self-fulfilling. You know, it's 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 there, and you can brag about whatever you want. But if that's all you're going to do, why do you have the show? And I think, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I think we've all done that pretty well in either setting aside, or I know that I've seen you guys do this on TMO. I know we do it on City. If we have to talk about my team in depth, usually John will leave that part, and I'll take on on the woo kind of conversation. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what that's we a little easier. Usually try to do. I mean, it, it it does get very awkward, and you know, we we go into every show with with the intent of abstaining from, uh, you know, patting our patting ourselves on the back, you know, I, I guess you could say. And but it, it does get awkward because you know you get into, you know, it's, just, it's especially awkward because you know we're, we just like the, the two of you, we we come from different divisions. So really, any time we're talking about, you know, when you, when you take half of the league, in our case, it's the north and north and the east. Um, there, there's kind of always a. a a conflict of interest, almost. So it's a fine line that you have to walk a lot of times. But yeah, we—that's. I think that's really Johnny. I, you would probably agree. That's that's what we usually try to do is just split the, you know, split the analysis in those cases. And and you know, if if something about the East is being discussed or the, or the generals, um, you try to take that on and and lead it as best you can without without too much interjection from me. And and you know, the North is the other way around. Yeah, that's. Um I completely agree. Uh, that North episode from a couple of weeks ago was very tough, though. 
I mean, I, I tried to hold back, uh, but there's only so long I could listen to, to Joe and Brent uh, <laughs> tell me they're, they're taking my, my division title. But see, that's a different situation. I mean, you guys have two good divisions to talk about. We only have one. <laughs> oh. oh, the West. Thanks, you, buddy. <laughs> you that and that's the lightning know. rod, yeah. Yeah, oh, they got to yeah, go I... with them. You got to roll with them when they present themselves. So, actually, I'm kind of curious. The you know, looking back at this, I think you know, on that lightning rod and building off of that, I kind of feel like John and I have either by virtue of John just being so damn likable, or me being so damn apathetic to not at times being likable, have been a little more um, in your face and and aggressive at some points on, on commentary. Um, and I think that, Scotty, I get the sense maybe you feel like you have to balance that a little bit with the commish kind of side of it. And, and Johnny, you've mentioned in, in the past in interviews, you know, talking about, you know, really trying to make predictions but not, but, you know, try to balance that line. You know, do you ever feel that, that, that desire to come out and just rip harder than you rip right now? Absolutely. Every show. <laughs> Every single show. But, Southie's you know, looking I, I at you. Kind of, yeah. Take your time and decide how you feel there. <laughs> you know, as we've seen these two shows, you know, evolve and develop over the years, it's it, it's almost, I view it almost as a yin and a yang. You know, you, you guys are, are what you are, just as, you know, Craig described. And I don't know if it's completely intentionally, but I, partly, I'm sure, you know, we, we really just try to, you know, uh, play a little more straight, um, and and that's that's really just by virtue of, of wanting to to offer the league, um, you know, varying types of, of commentary. And you know, you you guys sort of have your niche, and and, and we have ours. And and I, I think, frankly, I think the relationship between the two shows in that way is uh, very you know harmonious. It's it's great. And yeah, I, I love the. Uh, was... Go ahead, Johnny. Oh, okay. Um, I love I love the rival that, rivalry that we had going early on um, because we I guess we do kind of provide a little bit of a like a slower uh, like old school radio kind of pace. Um, but I know in the beginning when I first started, I couldn't help but start ripping people. <laughs> I, I couldn't hold back in the beginning. Well, you know, you just you know you kind of find that you just kind of find that groove, and you know it took us a while to find the groove and. Um, I, I don't think it took, you know, the. You know, I don't think it took Ivy quite as long to find that groove, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it. You know, they they bec- they have become what they what they are, and I think it's great because, you know, it, it it would be it would be boring if you had two shows that were that that tried to to be carbon copies of each other. So uh, you know, I think the give and the take and the yin and the yang and the, the, the you know, the 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 black and the white and. I think it's a good contrast for for the league having the two shows, you know, with, with the personalities that they have. Yeah, and I think that when we came up with stuck in the Ivy, part of the idea was to have kind of a comedic counter to TMO. Mm-hmm. And I think, if anything, we've probably gotten a little bit more serious over the years. Even though the the style is still kind of off the cuff. Um, it's much more kind of analysis of the league. It was almost like a skit show when we very first started. Um, and I think well, part of that is personality. I think part of it is the medium. With, with you know, audio and visual, you can kind of, you know, you can make it much more, you know, funny time. Um, so there's kind of a, it's, we're, we're kind of BDL after hours. You know, like we've, we've got our drinks. <laughs> we're, we're making I, I, I prefer to think of it as, 
you guys are the Charlie Rose PBS version of Here's the News. Thank you for listening. And we're more the Bill Maher or, or whatnot on the daily, on HBO, a little bit of Daily Show mixed in there. You know, we got the news, but we're willing to sacrifice a little bit on every news just to have a good time. I think Charlie Rose and Bill Maher's ears are burning right now. But go ahead. <laughs> we, just, we just got categorized with PBS. <laughs> Hey, Johnny gave me the we want to be old school radio. If there's not anything more to be categorized as PBS, I don't know what it is. I'm just I think you guys have better better ratings than PBS, though. <laughs> well, that may be true. <laughs> well, you got 15, 16 people to listen to you. I'm sure you have better ratings than PBS. <laughs> there was that other show. There was one other show, wasn't there, with uh, Brent and Mark for a little while? Yeah. There were actually two other shows. Um, yeah. If you give me just a moment, I'll pull them both up. Um, Mark's was, was, was just, rounding third. Uh, we had uh, the the full count. Was, full count. Um, the full count was was uh, Brent and and Mark's show. If I, if I'm not getting the two shows here mixed up, it, I apologize if I am. But yes, I, I believe the full count was um, Brent and Mark's show, and it it um, you know I forget how many episodes it had. There were a few, maybe three, three or four. four. Yeah, yeah. Like I, did, I I did the editing on them. Uh, oh, that's right. Actually, I'm looking right. I'm looking right here, and it looks like there were looks like there were six, six full. Oh, no, I didn't do the writing on all of them. I did some of them. Um, Maybe I did them all. I don't think I did though. And there, there was the very, <laughs> the very short-lived um, show called The Upper Deck, which was hosted by Mark and Mike, uh, Paul Doro. Mm. Uh, that lasted for uh, for one show between <laughs> there are two uh, trade offers between. The, <laughs> It lasted for one show before the, before the two individuals uh, tired of one another, I believe, and <laughs> and that was that. But, uh, it lasted for two trade offers or half a bottle of Jack, whichever landed first. Yeah. He he had some sweet, uh, smooth uh, Southern dulcet tones, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they've come and gone, and I you know I who, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe some will be back. Um, Eventually, well, which two? Which two would you like to hear? If if there were another two in the league, which two managers would I like to hear together? Uh huh. Together. Wow, that's a hard one on the spot. Um, I was thinking Mike and Bill. <laughs> yeah, that that was that might not last as long as the upper deck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be a radio show, and it would just be like angry silence the entire time. <laughs> Hey kids, this is what animosity sounds like. <laughs> that's that's great. Oh, truth hurts. I, I I'm gonna vote for uh, Joe Beth and Kristen. Let's 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 get some uh, unique blood in here. Now that that would be a ratings behemoth right there. It wouldn't it? You know what? Like... That wouldn't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> No, it would be a weekly roast. We we would we would not be able to handle that. That's kind of why I want to listen to it, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the future hold, gents? I mean, uh, I, I think John and I can talk a little bit about ideas, but uh, you know, you, you, what do you think? You're going to keep this same thing going for the next thirty years for us? You got some changes in mind? No, you know, I, we, no, we don't really have any changes in mind. I, I think we've, you know, we we we've experimented with with different kinds of you know format. Over over the years and um, really over the over the past you know sixteen eighteen months or so I 
think we've really settled into a good uh, groove production-wise, the, the way we, we enjoy putting these shows together, and it, it, it works for us, and you know, I, don't, I don't think we're looking to shake things up a whole lot in, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I, I think when we were in Cincinnati, I, I thought maybe we could do like a special show. Like Every once in a while, something will come along that... Uh, but generally, our our format and uh, you know, he and I we're not we're not that engaging. So <laughs> this is pretty much it. Yeah, we've actually been forced to, as you've seen, innovate a little bit. Uh, my move out to indie um, took out the personal side, but found some found some way to do some some software adaption and and do it distance. And actually, I think that's you know, I'm interested to hear John's thoughts, but I think it's really opened up some ideas for us in terms of what we can do, you know, on, on the show if there are ancillary shows or or some other kind of version of what we do here. Um, I think before we felt really limited naturally because we were in the same place to just putting a camera in front of us and talking and the few times uh, that we had guests on, um, and John can attest to this, I had quite the collab- the, the, just the contraption of phones next to microphones balanced on screens. And, mm-hmm. and, and at one point during one of the draft shows when I had Scotty, you, and Brent on at the same time, it was literally an iPhone next to my home phone, both plugged into microphones, feeding into the video. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy. But now, you know, so we've adapted to this virtual presence. Um, being able to bring in everybody else, all of a sudden, you know, re- we realized we were making it a lot more complicated than it needed to be. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited to see what uh, what we can do in the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll keep I, our specials going, but I, I think we've opened up some good options. I think the hardest thing to do is to recreate the chemistry that you would have when you've got two people in the same room. And, and that part, and, and, and that goes back to the whole, like, first minute of a show is kind of awkward because it's kind of... If you and your friend are sitting in his basement, you know, drinking scotch and talking about baseball, that's really, really easy to do. When you're staring into a camera and, you know, trying to have a conversation, it feels a little bit different. And I think we're still kind of working on that. But it's amazing just with technology, the the logistical side of it, you know, not only the, the capacity for, you know, what we can do in terms of, you know, integrating other members, but, you know, it's it's when we were filming together and especially when we were filming together you know almost weekly you know we 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 you know are separated by states now we were separated by states back then it was you know a 45 minute drive every time we wanted to film so um i i hopefully that you know with the filming remote hopefully our our frequency can go up and i know that you know I think we had one episode during the season last year, and uh, the hope is definitely that, you know, we get back to, you know, I don't think it'll ever be a weekly show, but it'd be great to do, you know, every, every single month of the season, you know, get our, our input out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think really that, that's, that's what our, our goal is for TMO right now, is to try to do something monthly. You know, a couple seasons ago, I think it was, Johnny, uh, we, we tried to go weekly, and, and we did go uh, weekly for, oh, what, about about eight weeks, maybe? So something like that, something and, and like that, yeah. it, it, it was it was fun, but it got very very grueling. Yeah, um, and it gets stale too. I mean, you get so does. much of the same, uh, not that much changes week to week, especially once you get in through the first right. weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, yeah. If, if you're going to do a ten minute show, you can do it weekly. If you're going to do an hour at a time, and not so much. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's important to to maintain that because, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like our our members have. You know, they they almost treat you know releases um, for new shows for these for these two shows as as events almost for them. Um, I, I know especially Mike he he is 
he's always the first one to comment on e- in each thread and 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 fall over himself thanking us for <laughs> for coming out that week and putting it together and and there are are others of course but uh and that's a really cool feeling because you know when you when you spend time putting this stuff together it's you know, it, it's nice to know that that the others that the others do enjoy it. But uh, you know, John, going back to your point about, or, or your your comments about um, the the changes for for your show, um, I, I really don't think the personal feel of Stuck in the Ivy has suffered one bit. In, in fact, I I think I enjoyed the new format a little better. Uh, I know it was probably more entertaining for the two of you guys to do it together there on, on in in um, on the couch and in, in, in there at Craig's, but. Uh, um, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the two screens, the dual screens that, that you guys are working with now, uh, you're able to give each other um, more focus that you couldn't previously. Yeah, when 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 each of you are you know, discussing certain points, and and you know, and and you know, Craig will flip the camera to to one or the other, or if you have a special guest on, like with. Uh, with Joe there in, in, in the, the current episode. And so I, it, it's really cool. I've, I've enjoyed it. Well, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're always glad to hear that. And we'll keep trying to, to innovate a little bit. And, and, and I'm, you know, the, the flipping is a little, as I'm sure you saw a couple flickers there, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're learning the new technology and, and, uh, what as I've told, uh, Polidoro and others, it's time to enter the 20th century finally and get a webcam. So I've been I've been leaning on some of the GMs saying, "Look, if Joe can do it, you can do it. I don't want to hear any excuses." So uh, the more of them we can get involved, and and uh, you know, obviously you two, uh, make sure you're geared up. We were we're glad to be on, but we expect you to be on ours as well this season. So we'll uh, we'll get something set up and do a roundtable on City as well. Anytime, I think that's anytime. definitely kind of the. One of the main goals we probably have going forward is to get more and more managers involved. Because I think that that's, you know, you can watch us talking about fantasy, you know, for only so much time. I think that what's really cool is when, you know, somebody that has never been on any of these and has never been on video, you know, for the rest of the guys in the league that haven't met each other, you know, to to actually put a name and a voice, you know, a face and a voice with the the people that they've become really, really close friends with over the years. So um, hopefully we can, you know, increasingly have, you know, not only a a guest per show, but, you know, really, really make it interactive. I I agree. For for example, how many people in the league really thought Joe had a six-inch fro before he did our interview? (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I cut someone off there. <laughs> I don't know. I think you cut three people off. And 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 welcome <laughs> to our first edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking as I was listening to you guys uh, with the split screens. You gotta you gotta get back to your roots and start doing a little more sketches. Um, I the first thing I when I saw it, the first thing I thought of was that that uh, scene from uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Where he's like, uh, you know, a little lower, a little now lift your head up, a little lower. Maybe a white board over. I see what you're doing. <laughs> All right, John, bring your pearl That's necklace. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, listen, we're uh, I think we're about out of time for this segment, but um, before we go, just like to say, you know, what's what's not said enough and. And that's that the, the three of you, um, you really go above and beyond your, your roles and, and responsibilities as league members to, to make these shows happen. And uh, I truly do thank, uh, thank all of you for, for your hard work throughout the year. 
Yeah, well, thank you, Scotty. And I, I know we all feel okay. the same way about what you're doing as well, and we wouldn't be able to do it without what you had started and carried on. So we're just trying to to emulate the the, the original, so to speak, in many ways. So so we'll all keep it going, I'm sure. Yeah, well, uh, Scotty, before you let us go, um, are we still sticking around at, like another half hour after you stop recording to talk about all the all the other managers? Uh, actually, I've got to run, but you guys can can hang around as long as you like. <laughs> <laughs> and right back to PBS we go. <laughs> just want, I just wanted to continue our our trend of uh, talking shit after we uh, <laughs> after we turn the record off. I'm just glad to be on the phone for a change for that part. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, this has been awesome. I think uh, I definitely want to thank everybody for listening. Please uh, let us know if if you mind us talking about us, like like we are here. But uh, it's a pretty big deal. So um, thank you all for listening. Yeah, and if you know anybody out there, any any of our guys, if you have any suggestions um, to to make to make these shows uh, better, more enjoyable? I, I I know we wouldn't mind them, and I, I'm sure Craig and John wouldn't mind them on on their end as well. You know, we're we're doing this <laughs> certainly not for ourselves, but for but for the league, for the enjoyment, uh, you know, uh, of the league. And it's it, it is fun, but uh, we we want to know that that you guys enjoy what we're doing as well. So absolutely, the the comment box next to the water cooler is always open. Well, John. Craig, thanks for joining us for TMO 25, and guys, here's to 50 more shows between the four of us, at least. Amen. Congrats, gents. 25. All right. Man, that was was a good time. I had a lot of fun. Um, 45 solid minutes of uh, talking about ourselves, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) this league really is um, the best I could think of, and it's uh, totally in a large part to uh, BDL Media, uh, what you do, Scotty, what what the rest of the members of this league uh, do virtually every day. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. And with that, uh, I think we're going to run into our final segment for the day. Uh, running the bases. So in Crystal River, Scotty, trouble for David Wright, whose health looks questionable at best to start the year. But in a very diluted South Division, do the Mavs even need a third baseman to have a shot? Probably not. They probably don't need to field one to have a shot. I, I don't. I'm not quite as confident in in the Mavs' chances in the South as I believe uh, Mike Owens is. Um, and, and no offense whatsoever to Mike, but uh, uh, no. I mean, the South Division is it is what it is this year, and pretty much any team honestly can can jump up and and, and win that thing. I think it's kind of fitting that. Uh, David Wright's on the Mets and the Mavs because they both stink and they'll be out of the playoffs by May. <laughs> I love you, Owens. Uh, making fun of you means you're relevant, doesn't it? Uh, let's ask John and Craig. I'm not sure. Richmond. <laughs> Yankee manager Joe Girardi has said that Ivan Nova isn't a lock for New York's rotation this year, which would be a huge blow to a Rebels team needing, to, needing reliable production on the mound to compete for that South Division. Uh, Johnny, is Girardi's threat legitimate, or is it just crap? Crap. I think it's crap. Actually, when I say crap, I'm talking about the South Division, because uh, I don't think the Rebels are going to need them to uh, win that South Division. Okay, Portsmouth. Reports from Detroit indicate Miguel Cabrera's handling the shift back to third base pretty well defensively. 
were his early predictions of Doom um, for his ability to stick at the hot corner overstated, Scotty? I, I always thought they were overstated, to be, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, his, his defensive uh, skill set will never be elite at third base, uh, not anymore anyway. But uh, you know, when you when you have two guys who can swing swing a bat like uh, like uh, Cabrera and a Fielder in the same lineup, you know you you you, you fit them where you can, and you, and you figure out the, the defensiveness later. Um, but no, no, I always thought it was overstated. And I, th I think he'll he'll do just fine there. Totally agree. I know the Phils would uh, trade Polanco for Cabrera third any day. <laughs> Minnesota utility infielder Steve Pierce who one former BDLGM once famously traded a young Justin Upton for, is hobbling in spring training yet again. Johnny, what are the odds this guy ever makes a fantasy impact in the BDL? Oh man, that name brings back some mem <laughs> memories. Uh, Steve Pierce, um, you know, he's got a shot um, at Justin Upton. He's, he's okay. Um, you just gotta remember, Nothing beats a BJ. Upton. <laughs> oh, this show is in the toilet. Guys, thank you guys, Thank you for uh, joining us for our uh, special 25th uh, podcast of TMO. It, it's been a lot of fun, Johnny, and, and uh, we'll, we'll try to be back soon. So, guys, you've been listening to Two Men On. We're out!